0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Pennsylvania Focus podcast powered by the Center Square. Pennsylvania Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire service. Our mission is to fund high quality public interest journalism that promotes accountability and fiscal responsibility in government. To support great podcasts like this one, please donate by clicking the link in the show description. We are recording this podcast on Thursday, August 25th. Joining me today is Anthony Hennon, the Center Square's Pennsylvania reporter. Managing editor Alan Wooten has the week off. Anthony, how are you? I'm good.
1: How are you doing, Dan?
0: Doing well. We're going to try and plug through this uh, Pennsylvania Focus podcast without uh, uh, our, our fine colleague, Alan. Hope, hope he's enjoying his time away. And guess what? With Alan being off, Anthony, no quizzes this week. So Finally, <laughs> yeah, so I won't you to put you on the spot with that. So why don't we get right into it? Uh, rising crime in cities has been a problem the past few years in Pennsylvania and across the country. The same can be said in Philadelphia. Then that's where you live, Anthony. Why don't you mm-hmm. take your reporter half off, for, hat off, for just a minute? And tell me how crime in the city affects you. Are there areas in Philadelphia where you won't go to maybe at certain times at night? What do you personally see in here?
1: Yeah. So I think um, what's interesting about this is when you look at Philly, as a city. Um, you know, crime is very concentrated. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm right in the centers of, of the city, um, you know, close to Independence Hall, City Hall, that sort of thing. Um, Honestly, on a day-to-day level, this doesn't really affect me. Uh, I mean, my neighborhood's fairly, fairly calm and nice. Um, there's not a lot of issues popping up. Uh, I, I think what the the biggest impact here uh, would be, you know, avoiding taking the subway late at night if I'm alone. Um, not necessarily because I'm worried about you know getting robbed or assaulted, but just it it gets very unpleasant. And it's been like this since the end of COVID where you have, you know, um, you have much more like open drug use, Um, you know, there's been a rise in assaults, um, but especially not necessarily on the public, but on uh, septa workers themselves, there's been a big uh, climb in that. Um, I think when you look at the map of where people are getting shot in Philadelphia, where people are dying um, in Philadelphia, it's very, very concentrated in in a few neighborhoods in North Philadelphia and in West Philadelphia. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where, to me, it really hammers in this governance problem in the city where wide swaths of the city, be it center city, South Philadelphia, um, areas around the University of Pennsylvania, you know, it, it's fine. It feels like any other place um, across America where crime rate is low or if you do see crime, you know, it's these low-level offenses not necessarily directed at people. Um, what this really rings true to me is that in high poverty areas, um, in areas that have had crime for a uh, crime issue for a while, um, the city is failing those neighborhoods, and it's really um, you know people who are you know generally poorer, generally um, black or non-white. Um, they're the ones who really face this issue on a day to le- day to day level, and the elected officials aren't really doing much to improve that. Um, I mean, you you look at you know Philly's murder rate has almost doubled compared to five six years ago very few of that spilling over and affecting you know center city or these other areas of the city um it's just making bad areas even worse and you don't see a lot of improvement there
0: well why don't we dig into that Uh, you you categorize it uh, as the city's failures in these certain pockets these certain neighborhoods where as you mentioned the 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 murder rate (laughs) is skyrocketing that's what's fueling um, sort of a, a a a battle between Philadelphia District attorney Larry Krasner and Republicans on uh, Republicans in the state House. The Republicans have subpoenaed um, uh, Krasner to appear before the committee to start discussing um, uh, these issues. and Krasner says he's not going to go tell us a little bit more about this feud and what you see happening.
1: yeah, so this uh, the beginnings of this happened in June when the House passed a resolution. Um, creating a select committee on restoring law and order. Um, Basically, uh, you know, the the wording was to investigate, review, and make findings and recommendations concerning rising rates of crime, law enforcement, and the enforcement of crime victim rights. Um, And this was centered on Philadelphia. Um, You know, you can look at other cities, other parts of the state where this is an issue, but this is basically focused right on Philadelphia. and in, in one way, it makes sense, right? Because, you know, Philadelphia's murder rate has been um, increasing since about 2015, 2016. Um, you know, 20, 2015, 280 murders, 2016, 277, 2017, 315. Uh, last year, 562. So you've seen a dramatic wow. increase. Um, you know, not not all of this is just due to, I mean, Krasner was uh, was elected in 2018, Um, So this kind of started taking up before him, but it's definitely it's accelerated a lot. Um, There's a lot of different uh, uh, different factors here. You know, people can point to increasing murder rates in recent years since covid um, across the nation. But Philadelphia is, uh, you know, it really stands out even accounting for an increase in murder rates. Yeah.
0: Um, And one of the Republicans concerns is uh, they they say um, that Krasner is not prosecuting. Uh, many of these crimes, even when police make arrests. Um, uh, What can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so this is this is one of those things where it's, uh, you know, who do you believe more? Um, Krasner points to a lack of arrests or a lack of solid evidence when arrests do come in as a reason for why he can't prosecute. Um, You know, uh, police spokesmen and some and other critics will say that, you know, they're, they're bringing in people. Uh, but when they do bring in people, charges are dropped, or um, you know, uh, a plea deal is entered to bring them down, or the you know, Krasner just lets them go. Um, so it's it's kind of a chicken or egg thing, and who who you really believe. Um, but when when you look at the data, yeah, you know, I, I I I would put it as both arguments have some ounce of truth in them, but it, there is a clear um, a clear trend here where once Krasner came in. Uh, you saw a lot fewer cases being brought or charges being brought. Um, and I don't think you can attribute all of that to a sudden lack of evidence or anything like that. Um, so, you know, this also goes back to Republicans have not really had political power in Philadelphia for of 50, 60 years now, just about, Mm -hmm. um, it's been very heavily democratic. So clearly Republicans want to point that out, um, just on a political level. But at the same time, when you do see the spike in shootings, the spike in the murder rate, um, it does seem fair to point out Philadelphia officials and ask what's going on here. Why is it more being done?
0: when it, 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 Essentially, the the murder rate in Philadelphia has doubled since uh, since 2015. There's no doubt that that's troubling. Mm-hmm. You've also uh, you also noted in your story at the center square dot um, that these similar types of battles uh, um uh, are occurring in other major cities uh, across the country. San Francisco's um, district attorney, where crime has also spiked, was recently recalled uh, and replaced. Um, Los Angeles kind of there was an attempt to to recall Los Angeles district's di- district attorney. They didn't gather enough signatures to to force a vote on that. Uh, but this this is an issue. This rising crime issue is 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 being fought around the country.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if nothing else, uh, you know, it's just becoming a major issue in Philadelphia's upcoming mayoral election as well. Um, you know, no one no one has officially announced yet um, one city councilman who uh, resigned because to run for elected office in Philadelphia, you have to resign your seat here. Um, but Alan Dom, who is a previous city councilman, I mean, he was just tweeting about this the other day that, you know, violence in our city is completely out of control. And it's time we did something about it. So, you know, Republican or Democratic, uh, you know, this is becoming a bigger issue uh, and it's not going to go away. And Philadelphia, just they we're we're still this year. We're on pace to even uh, break last year's record, which itself was the highest since 1993, 92, something like that. You know, the (laughs) peak of the crime wave in the 90s. Um, So, you know, Philadelphia has really gone back um, in terms of bringing down violence in the city. And uh, it's, it's not just Republicans criticizing it or complaining about it.
0: Well, stay safe, stay smart uh, in your uh, wanderings of uh, Philadelphia. Um, but why don't we move on, uh, Anthony, more to talk about. Pennsylvania has a new spending plan, and there's at least one group um, in the state that is criticizing uh, the budget for what it calls excessive corporate welfare. Tell us a little bit more about this
1: yeah so this is a uh, this is a new analysis coming out of the Commonwealth Foundation where you know the uh, the state budget passed uh, uh last month um officially um, it's looking like there's about one point three billion dollars in it for uh, corporate welfare spending um, which is basically you know any anything from uh, direct subsidies to uh state grants to tax credits. Uh, basically th- this is uh more 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 taxpayer money is going to uh, private businesses um, and th- this also this is an increase from previous years where I think it increased about about a hundred million or so from uh, last year's budget um, so you know this is uh this this is a long-standing uh, critique of this sort of thing where you know private businesses don't want to pay taxes that then go toward their competitors because that makes it harder for them um, you know, there, there's uh, there, there's kind of a uh, you know what what counts as a subsidy, what counts as you know the state needing to get something done, and it's easier or more efficient to do it privately. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of that flying back and forth. Um, but when you look at where a lot of the spending is going, uh, you know, one one is airport land development zones, another is for uh, waterfront development on uh, you know the state's rivers. Another is the film tax credit program, as well as an exemption for um, computer data centers and the equipment they
0: buy. And one, um, one of the uh, Commonwealth Foundation's criticism of, of what it calls corporate welfare, not, not just them, many of m- many folks call it corporate w- welfare, is that oftentimes um, they're promoted um, lawmakers and governors and, and others who, who uh, uh, promote or uh, approve these, these plans. Um, say it's for economic development um, purposes. The Commonwealth Foundation's criticism is that there's really very little evidence that these these subsidies of businesses actually do um, what they say they will do. Um, any insight on that?
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, th- there's all sorts of studies I've dug into this. Um, you know, the 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 effects of these things and sort of the targets of be it tax credits or subsidies that can vary. Um, but the general trend is, uh, it's not really doing well. Um, the late, the last one we've had that was focused, uh, specifically in Pennsylvania, uh, the independent fiscal office did an analysis in 2021 and is looking at most tax credits in the state for every dollar that goes out for it. Um, we get back less than 25 cents. Um, and that, that's, that's sort of one of the, uh, kind of almost the ideal where the, uh, you, we, there were a number of. Uh, these programs were as coming in six, seven cents on the dollar. Uh, yeah, th- this, is, this is that core problem of politicians are not necessarily great at knowing what is the best uh, ec- or economically competitive uh, deal to make here. And it's, it's very hard to fine tune these things.
0: Why don't we move from the state budget to the uh, uh, the overall economy of Pennsylvania? You, you reported this week again at the center where you can find all of Anthony's great work um, that there's sort of a mixed bag of economic data when it comes to Pennsylvania. Some indicators um, show the economy might be improving a little bit, but others not so much. And in, in one, at least one shows that Pennsylvania is lagging behind the rest of the country. Uh, tell us more about this
1: yeah so uh I, there there's there's two ways you can look at this report i think um one is comparing Pennsylvania to the national average um we're we're still below average on this. we're still down um in terms of our unemployment rate is still about um all, all, just about one percentage point higher than the national average um wages and s- salaries in the state are also growing um growing slower than the national average, um, as well as, you know, our, our population for a long time, it's been either stagnant or declining depending on what part of the state you're in. Um, so that's, that's kind of the bad news along with our uh, labor force participation rate, which is either people employed or people unemployed, but actively looking for a job, uh, that's still below, uh, where it stood pre COVID. Um, you know, if it's if it's retirees simply retiring and we have an older population, that's not as much of a big deal. Um, but if it's young people or able-bodied working age adults who are simply not looking for a job anymore, uh, you know, that, that's a bigger problem for long term. So that, that's kind of the negative way to look at it. Um, a more positive way to look at it is ignoring the national averages. Um, when we're looking at leading economic indicators, uh, you know, the labor force partici- participation rate isn't great. But um, in terms of new job openings, changes in uh, payroll jobs, as well as unemployment insurance claims, um, those are all in a more positive direction. Um, payroll employment in July increased compared to June. Um, the change in payroll jobs, which is basically um, job openings popping up, uh, that's, that declined a bit from May, but still above the pre-COVID average. So it still shows that there's some room to grow in the state. Um, and, uh, unemployment insurance claims are also down, uh, which is also a good sign compared to recent months as well as, uh, pre COVID. So it shows not as many people are looking for, to get on unemployment insurance as they look around for a job or lose a job. Uh, Pennsylvania employers are still hiring and they're still searching for new workers. Um, so when, when you, when you look at it close there, there's some positive trends here. Um, but compared to the national average, you know, if, if if you're someone who's looking to move to a new state and try to find a job, you're still more likely to end up down in Florida, Texas, Arizona, North Carolina, states like that, rather than looking up to a Pennsylvania. So, you know, there, there's some hope here, but I think there's still in the long term, Pennsylvania still has these uh, bigger economic issues to uh, confront and find a solution.
0: Sticking with the, uh, the economy, um, uh, of course. Um, inflation remains at 40 year highs in Pennsylvania, but also across uh, the country. You covered a hearing this week um, um, where uh, th- there was a discussion about how uh, this 40 year high inflation is affecting the agricultural community. What'd you learn? What'd you find out there?
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, tied in with good news, bad news uh, from the Pennsylvania economy in general. Um, You know, the agricultural sector, it's an important one Um, in the States, one of the biggest employers, Um, but inflation is essentially, uh, rather than creating new problems, clearly costs are going up from that, Um, but it's really, it is making the problems we already have worse. Um, Costs are going up, business owners are having trouble uh, maintaining either thin profit margins or um, just being able to get new equipment or uh, expand in the first place. Um, you know the the House Republican Policy Committee held this hearing on Wednesday, um, kind kind of trying to get a sense of what are the issues that business owners are dealing with, be they these larger companies or just um, s- small scale farmers. Um, so it's uh, th- th- there's not a lot of silver lining here. Uh, I guess the the biggest silver lining you could find is a, a lot of these businesses want to expand and they have some optimism for the future, uh, but they have to delay those plans because there's a lot of uh, costs are going up in terms of looking to like buy a building or expand production. You know, costs on average, you know, the past few months in Pennsylvania have gone up about eight point four percent. You know, be it just the, the month for monthly consumer prices, you see an increase in egg prices or anything else. Um, labor costs are also a big one. Um, but in other ways things like
0: uh, things like fertilizer, as yeah, I understand it, yeah, is f- significantly f- significantly more than that 8.5 percent double digit inflation, in some cases up to a hundred percent higher cost. And of course, that dramatically imp- impacts the, the farming community.
1: Yeah, that that's sort of the, the big things where you know if, if you're looking to expand and add another hundred acres or so, if your cost for nitrogen or any other fertilizer is going up 50-75 percent. Uh, you might think twice, especially when you're looking at fuel costs. One, what one business owner who ha- does a farm operations as well as has like a, uh, a, a wood uh, a mill for uh, wood products that sort of thing, his fuel costs have gone up by sixty five thousand dollars, and he said energy costs drive everything. Um, so you know when when you're looking ahead to expand, very few people are looking to expand right now just because. Prices have jumped up so much compared to 2018, 2019. Um, when you're looking at, there's a first generation farmer in Lancaster County, um, Heather Lewis, who testified, and you know they 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 have they have kids and they'd like them to pursue, um, you know, keeping the family farm uh, if they're interested. Uh, but she says you know it's tricky with inflation. You have that unknown feeling about the future. Will we be able to stay ahead of the risk? Um, you know, as these prices go up. You know, it's it becomes harder and harder to maintain. You know, raising livestock, um, you know, crop yields, anything like that. So I I think that's that that's a big deal, right? Even with you know increasing costs, clearly are a problem here, but inflation really makes it hard to plan for the future, and it can really be you know just that straw that breaks the camel's back, where someone decides rather than trying to expand or try to stay in the sphere, they might just call it and you go into something that's more stable or uh, you know, n- not carrying as much risk on their shoulders. I think that's a shame. So, yeah.
0: so essentially, the takeaway for me here is that inflation is impacting everyone, including farmers. And when consumers go to the grocery store and they see that much higher cost of eggs, as you pointed out earlier, don't blame the farmers. Um, they're not uh, responsible for inflation because their costs uh, have gone up significantly, too. Uh, Anthony, we have time for just one more story. The story of the week uh, nationally um, has been uh, President Biden's decision to what he calls forgive uh, $10,000 in student loan debt um, uh, for college, either college students or college graduates who have accumulated this debt, $20,000 for Pell Grant um, recipients. I know um, you're working on a story today on what that means for Pennsylvania and maybe getting some feedback from folks in Pennsylvania. Tell, to just tell us, you're in the early stages of your reporting on this, but what can you tell us so far?
1: Yeah, so I think um, with this, it's definitely, it's something that resonates in Pennsylvania. Um, Pennsylvania is one of those states where, especially throughout the Northeast, um, Northeastern states generally have higher uh, student loan debt burdens, um, as well as some a few states in the Upper Midwest also stand out here. Um, but when, when you're looking at the stats, um, average debt in Pennsylvania from students going is almost $40,000 and about 64% of uh, college students had some level of debt. Granted, when we're looking at average debt, that exaggerates it a bit because um, it, it it doesn't uh, adjust for like the median student. So we're talking about a lot of that gets weighted by graduate students by uh, you know people going off to medical school, uh, law school, that sort of thing. So you know the the median student is not necessarily carrying forty thousand dollars in student debt, um, but definitely there can be a high mark. Um, it really emphasizes the fact that if uh, if you do go into higher education, um, the worst thing you can do is not finish the degree, because the more debt you take on to pursue it and you don't finish it, uh, it becomes harder to repay that, um, as well as going into you know uh, some low. Uh, low-paying fields like master's degrees you see a lot of people get caught up in that where they take on a bunch of debt but their uh field doesn't necessarily justify all the debt uh so people who just get stuck under there um you're definitely seeing you know y- younger pennsylvanians um i, I think you can view this as uh younger pennsylvanians who vote democratic this is really joe biden solidifying um uh, his support among them, because that's that's a high priority for someone. Uh, you know, if they're carrying this debt and they can get at least a little bit of that cut off, that comes in big.
0: Well, say there are plenty of critics uh, of this president's plan. One mm-hmm. point to the fact that we're just two and a half months away from the midterm elections where control of uh, Congress is at state and, of course, control of state houses such as Pennsylvania, and that this was a political trick to try and, and get get votes for Democrats who support it. Republicans also point to um, the, the bill. I've seen a bunch of different figures that overall across the country, the bill could t- cost as much as 400 to 500 billion dollars, adding to the federal debt, which is already almost at uh, 31 trillion Um, dollars is is essentially support and criticism uh, of this falling along party lines in pennsylvania as it is across the country
1: uh yeah generally um i mean obviously when you look at it uh the median democrat is more open to student debt forgiveness than the median republican um independence fall somewhere uh in between um what one of my main concerns here i guess even beyond student student loan forgiveness is uh it's not really a um addressing the, the the core issues of higher ed in Pennsylvania, where when you look at Pennsylvania especially, you know you have high levels of student debt, you have a declining number of college age students in Pennsylvania. Um, when you look at the Pennsylvania State system, I mean they've they've lost, I believe about 40 percent of students in the last decade. Um, so you, you it's it's really squeezing um, squeezing people on both sides, be they students or be they, you know, taxpayers or people running the Pennsylvania higher ed system. Where uh, you know costs are burdening students and cost is a really big issue for the state system and finding a way to reduce those costs, even to you know make, uh, make higher ed in Pennsylvania a little more humbler or push students into fields where they will uh, you know be able to pay off this debt. Those are still some big issues, and it's not necessarily um, the stuff that's getting the most attention either in Pennsylvania or on the national level.
0: Uh, You use the term student loan forgiveness, which many people are using. Critics of the bill um, um, call it more of a a, a transfer of debt because essentially someone's going to pay for it. and In the end, it it will be uh, taxpayers uh, who, who pay for it. Anthony, that's all the time we have this week, though. I appreciate um, uh, all your insight into what's going on in in the great state of Pennsylvania. This has been the Pennsylvania in Focus podcast, part of America's Talking Network. Find all of the Center Squares podcasts at americastalking.com. For Anthony Hennan, I'm Dan McCaleb.